Welcome to the Everyday Guru Podcast with your hosts, Jared and Tiffany. Each week we interview everyday gurus who are full of wisdom, love, and laughter. Hope-filled stories that need to be shared with the world. We love receiving feedback. Please share, leave a review, or best of all, a voice message. If you find value in our podcast, please consider supporting us for as little as 99 cents a month by visiting anchor.fm forward slash everyday guru forward slash support. Hey, everybody. This is Jared, the everyday guru. I have with me Jolene. Hi, everybody. And we also got with me Tiffany. Tiffany, where are you? Hey, everybody. Oh, there you go. A little bit of a delay there. Uh, Jolene is a cow. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I, th- I heard you twice. <laughs> That's okay. We'll go with it. Jolene is a California attorney who left her senior level position at a Fortune 100 company to become a full-time life counselor to college and law students. She helps students save money aside from scholarships so they can graduate with less debt and are able to live the life they always dreamed of after graduation. She has been advising students since she was one herself, obviously, and has been giving speeches at universities for 20 years. Jolene attended the University of California at Santa Barbara for her undergraduate education and Southwestern University School of Law for law school. She obtained her Juris Doctorate, I don't have no clue what that is, in 2002 and passed the bar exam the same year. Nice to have you, Jolene. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. (laughs) So can you tell us, um, you know, a little bit more about what you do? Can you expand on that? Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, there's a lot of advisors out there, but a lot of times what students are receiving are the typical advice like take out loans, look for scholarships, get as many as you can. uh, And that's about it. And with respect to law school as well, it's hard to get further advice. So I give college students advice outside of scholarships to help them fund their education so that they're not constantly looking for scholarships and you know struggling. I mean, when we apply for scholarships, they're ultra competitive. You can apply for a hundred and get like one that might be worth maybe $5,000. It can be really hard and yeah. really time consuming. So I help them find easier ways to find money. Mm-hmm. And then also with law students as well. Um, again, because I've been through that program, I understand where the hidden money is. So for both levels, I help them. But yeah, with college students, I mean, it really starts even all the way back in high school. You can start saving money on college. And then in college, there's still more that you can save. Yeah. Like, what are some of the, the ways that, you know, that you advise people or some strategies, tips? Yeah. Anything? So one thing I'll start with something that we kind of know about a little bit when we're in high school. We may have heard of it where some high schoolers will sometimes take a college course and they might do that over the summer sometimes for high school credit. Let's say they want to free up their schedule for their senior year so that they can do more recreational activities or something. Sometimes they'll take a college course just to get chemistry out of the way or whatever it is. Uh, Some high schoolers will actually take college classes at the local junior college for college credit, trying to get a little ahead. Um, And those units are usually pretty cheap when you compare them to a university. But Mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is you can take that a step further. So let's just say that you want to go to a four-year university. You do not want to go to a junior college. You want to go straight when you're 18 to the big university. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yes, some people are really good about saving that money and they go to that junior college first, but some are just, I really want to go to university. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely me. And, but then you're paying a lot more per unit for really a lot of the same classes, right? Your, your science and your history and all your background courses, your general ed courses. What you can do while at the major university is you can dual enroll. So you can actually still take classes at the local junior college at the same time. So let's just say fall, like we'll we'll use my university for example. So I was at UC Santa Barbara and anywhere in my freshman or sophomore year, I could enroll at Santa Barbara City College and just drive down the road and take a course or two each semester that overlap with my own, the UC systems on the quarter system. So with my own quarter and you still get the credits, you get the credit for the class. So, you know, if you need a couple of science requirements, you can take all your science requirements at the junior college, or if you need some kind of arts, you can take the arts there, whatever you want to take. So it could be whether it's just because you've heard those classes are easier, or you've heard they have a better program for let's say like the arts, for example, so you rather have a better program, or just because you want the cheaper units. Um, But ultimately the goal is cheaper units. And the difference is several hundred dollars. Um, University students are paying about 450 or so per unit versus the uh, junior college students are paying about $50 a unit. Wow. And obviously, yeah, so obviously costs vary from school to school, but I mean, you're saving three, four hundred dollars per unit, and most classes That's are great. three to four units. Yeah, exactly. So if you take at the university 12 units, you're considered full time, but most students tend to take more like 16 units, something like that. So you take those extra units at the junior college, and so it's like one class per semester but you're saving over the two years. If you do it once per semester and once over the, that summer between freshman and sophomore year, you're saving about $5,000. Right. So yeah, and that's significant that's great. over yeah. a career. Yeah. So you go to college for six years. You know? Right. Well, and well, the thing is, as soon as you become a junior, they will no longer give you the credits. So you have to make sure, especially if you take extra units that you aren't a junior somewhere in your sophomore year. So you do have to be careful. You should definitely do this with the guidance of your school counselor just to make sure you're doing it all correctly, but it's not really difficult. It really is just more of a quick phone call. Hey, I'm still considered a sophomore, right? Okay, so I can still take these classes. But they do, They the universities will credit you with whatever the requirement is. So the science requirements, the history, whatever it is that maybe you don't like, a lot of times at the junior colleges, they are a little bit easier. Um, the classes I've taken, that's what I've noticed. So that's another way to get around maybe a subject that's very difficult for you. And they also tend to have more resources. The professors are a little more accessible. It, it's just a little bit of a better way to cover difficult subjects. Um, and you can always um, you know, take multiple classes over the summer, again, just the more units you take, you just need to, be, need to be careful that you're not a junior somewhere in your sophomore year, credit-wise. But yeah, you can easily do this. And then if there's online classes at the junior college, then you don't even have to hmm. leave your house. You don't even have to go to the college. So, yeah, we were talking about that before. That is such a good tip. Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, so it makes it a really easy way because honestly, how many hours would you spend just to get a $5,000 scholarship? 
I remember when I was looking for scholarships, I was just doing tons of research. And if you apply for a broad scholarship, then everyone else is applying for it. And if you apply for a specific one, right. you have a better chance. But usually those ones are smaller. Those are the $1,000 ones or, you know, they're just small. So this is just one way you know you're getting the money. You're not wasting any time doing all this application stuff. You're literally just enrolling in a school that's nearby. Exactly. And a lot of people have part-time jobs. A lot of uh, students have part-time jobs. And, you know, that's a lot of time wasted hours. I know um, I used to work for a non-for-profit and the executive director spent hours upon hours just applying for grants and, you know what I mean, any type of funding. So is there yeah, a call it to takes a lot. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not like, actually, that man, it's not like that man on TV. He's like, oh, you can get free money from the government. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. He's so funny. But he yes, is, but he's, you know, FOS, you know? Right. There are definitely people that you can hire. Um, they are expensive um, that will find scholarships for you. And probably the return on investment is there. You know, they're probably going to get you more than what you spend on them, but they're expensive. So that's a little hard if you don't have that money up front and if that person doesn't have a million reviews, right? I wouldn't use them unless I know I'm going to get my money back. So right. um, that's always an option, but doing the scholarships yourself, it's just really difficult. Um, unless a school just flat out gives you the money, it's it's almost a waste. I, I don't want to say it is a waste of time, but it almost feels like a waste of time. And, you, and then the other problem is if the school gives you a scholarship, it's always contingent on things. It's contingent on you staying in the sports program or it's contingent on you having a certain major or a certain GPA. And there are just times where that doesn't work out. You know, you just um, take some difficult classes and lose your GPA or you're injured and can't do the sport anymore. And so you might go into a school with a scholarship, but suddenly find that quickly it's gone. So uh, this is just, this is, there's no contingency on this. It's free money, save yourself, you know, a couple hundred dollars per class and a couple thousand dollars mm -hmm. if you do this, you know, strategically for two years. So that's why one recommendation, but yeah, you actually, Jarrett, led me into um, another tip I tend to give people. Huh? Uh, this one does require a little more work, um, but I think the long-term benefits are really, can be worthwhile. Okay. Um, another way that I recommend people save money is by earning more money um, more strategically. So most college students, they just get a job, you know, local retail or on campus. And so they're making barely above minimum wage. And there are so many different ways that you can make more than that without too much effort. Um, I think the way that most students would be familiar with is stuff like vlogging, blogging, that kind of stuff. You know, everybody mm -hmm. wants to get right. rich quick on YouTube and yeah, stuff that like that, Yeah, it doesn't right? work like that. Yeah, you need right. millions you of need views on one video to make, you know, any money. It's like a fraction of a penny per, you know, per view or whatever it, yeah it's crazy and then it's crazy. Uh, youtube jail you know now if you you know <laughs> look at somebody the wrong way you know your your video could be taken down so yes so if somebody's interested in something like that you really do need to do a lot of research in search engine optimization on like algorithms on uh how to do yeah all your descriptions and and what's popular it's a lot of work it's something you could do but 
I tend to recommend something that's a little more, I guess, guaranteed income. So things like, um, yeah, if you were to learn how to build a website, right, and or learn how to do search engine optimization, those are skills that will take a little bit of effort up front, but there's a lot of free classes out there. I know people who are doing this who have never paid for a course, but you can also pay for a course. Um, but then once you have those skills, you can market it to your friends. You can market it to just, you know, on Fiverr or other platforms and start making at first very little, but over time you will become known between your friends and network as someone who has that skill. And that's something you can take with you even after you graduate and do it as a side job so that you can pay down your loans faster. You can, if you go to grad school, you can do that on the side in grad school. So again, and then a lot of people, especially if you go to business school or something like that, those people are going to want websites. Those people are going to want SEO help. And so if you have those type of skills, your classmates will use you. So you'll always have a little bit of income mm -hmm. there. And it's usually, you know, going to be a higher rate. It is more sporadic, but it is going to be a higher rate than your minimum wage. So it's something you can usually fit into a busy school schedule, even something like med school, law school, maybe not, it might have to wait for your Christmas break or something like that, but you know, right. th there is a way to make it happen and you can pay down those loans a little faster. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a lot easier to get a hundred bucks, you know, doing a little SEO work than it is to, you know, bust your butt at a retail store for the same amount of money. And if it's cash, well, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, do no evil, right? <laughs> And there's so many other ways if you keep your eyes and ears open. Um, I was listening to a podcast where this girl shared that she was making um, $60 an hour picking up dog poop. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wrong profession. Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> and I will tell you that lawyers, when we sit in, um, we do contract work, so not as an employee, but as a contractor, and we sit in a deposition, in L.A., we make... 50 to uh, yeah 50 to 100 bucks an hour and this girl's making 60 picking up dog poop in the midwest so you know uh, it's, uh, how much money did i pay to sit in a deposition versus this girl just bought like a scoop so you know you could do things like that right do yard work or dog walking or whatever but if you make it a special way where you've got a great schedule where everything's back to back and it's built up you can make really, really good money. And if you build that clientele, so let's say that you do the dog poop and you work a few hours a week. And so you make, you know, 120 bucks a week. Fine. That's probably a lot easier money than working the minimum wage at, you know, the McDonald's or whatever that you were going to do otherwise. Right. And now you got this clientele and let's just say you do go to grad school or something, med school, and you just cannot, you just don't have the time. Okay, fine. You hire somebody at minimum wage to go do your route for you and you get the rest off the top. So you're still going to make 10, 20, whatever, however many dollars per hour off the top from somebody else working. And all you have to do is just maintain, right? Make sure the clients are happy, make sure the person's showing up kind of thing. A little bit of maintenance. Yeah, you just outsource it. Yeah, that's what, yeah. That's what employers do. It's, you know, yeah. I tell people... People like, oh, pyramid scheme. I'm like, well, you know, life is kind of a pyramid scheme in a way, <laughs> you know, right. in a nice right. way, right? You got the people on the top, the billionaires, the millionaires, and it just trickles down. So, like, life is a pyramid. Think about it. But, yeah, there's yeah. a difference between a pyramid and a pyramid scheme, obviously. Yeah, and, I mean, you really just, you know, and these are just a couple ideas. You can really expand upon this with any tech thing or any service-based business, whether it's, 
um, you know, it doesn't have to be dog poop, right? You could be, you specialize in a certain way in cleaning houses or you only clean bathrooms and you have a special technique, you know? And so it's a specialty thing, but again, that doesn't have to be you. You build the business and then you just outsource it. So there's a million different ways you can do this. And there's a million other ideas too. You could start writing eBooks on your life experience or whatever, you know, how to get into college, how to get into grad school, whatever it is. But if you start looking at the world around you and start thinking of everything as a money-making opportunity, you can make much more than that minimum wage job and pay down your debt, take out less loans, need less scholarships. Uh, that's really just my goal is to help students need less lo- loans and not have to stress about scholarships. Yeah, that's money, especially yeah. at that young of an age. I mean, um, was it you? I think I was talking to you. Yeah, yesterday about mm-hmm. how much did the average lawyer, it's like, over well over a hundred thousand dollars to go to to go to law school, right? Yeah, law school. The average annual cost is forty three thousand dollars. So obviously, some students pay more than the mm-hmm. average. Um, some students have scholarships, but that's just the tuition. That's not even cost of living. Um, so you, and that's not including, um, we have to take the bar exam to become attorneys afterwards. So for about three months, we're just studying, we're not working and we need another loan on top of that just to pay for the bar exam, pay for the bar review course and pay to live for those few months. So it's very expensive. Yeah. So usually students are graduating with something like $200,000 in debt just from law school. Then they have their undergraduate debt two um yeah i have a few here i'll share with you this is just general tuition so that you can kind of see what the students are facing these days um so i pulled these straight off the internet so this is um the in 1985 the average in-state public tuition was about two thousand dollars now the in-state private or sorry the private tuition was about seventy five hundred dollars okay so we're talking about two thousand to seventy five hundred dollars depending on where you go in 1985 and the median household income at that time was $48,000, so just under 50. Okay. Now, fast forward to 2012. All right, so what is that, uh, 30 years later almost? And the average in-state public tuition was $23,000. Crazy. So 2000 23000 mm-hmm. Now, the private tuition yeah. went from 7500 to 40000 Crazy. And then the median, now hopefully the median household income has gone up, right? But no, it went up to $52,000. So it went up $4,000 in those 30 years. But the tuitions, you know, at that price, the $2,000 tuition should have been $4,500. I mean, this is not, we're not talking apples to apples at all. So the students are facing overwhelming debt and the debt to income ratio is a mess and these students need ways to save money. And a lot of students, you know, especially if they're first gen, they don't know about all the scholarship opportunities or things like that there are different types of loans out there that they can take. They don't just have to take the ones that are placed in front of them. Um, So there's a lot of disadvantages to the first gen students, but even the ones that aren't first gen, that doesn't mean their family knows everything, you know? So, um, you know, I focus in this. Yeah, I focus in this and, you know, but other people who don't focus in this, they went through school and their families all were, you know, lawyers or doctors or whatever, and they don't necessarily know either. So 
and especially I think if you have parents who went to school graduating in 85 or somewhere around that time frame and they're telling you yeah loans are not a problem don't worry about it well because they're not thinking in current dollars they're thinking in their dollars yeah they're so, thinking in thousands not not hundred thousand yeah. you know? right so. so they're getting really bad advice sometimes uh, from people who sh should know in in the sense that they went through the same program so you think this person knows what they're talking about but no they lived in a very different time frame you know education cost wise so when they talk about you know millennials and so forth um kind of wasting money and always complaining they're in debt well this is why <laughs> so you know it, it's not just that they are spending they might be overspending but this is they might also be overspending because they're just like this is hopeless <laughs> you know <Right>. so <laughs> but even the savers are in a world of hurt here and so yeah you know another thing i do recommend for them um, is if they do need loans, which of course most of them do, is that they do their research. Um, there are lots of different types of loans out there. For undergraduate students, um, the general program is you get a subsidized loan from the government, and then if you need more money, you get an unsubsidized loan. And then if you need more money, there are private loans. A lot of times your parents will take out a loan, it's called a PLUS loan. Um, and then for the graduate level, usually it's the same program but it's all you their parents don't take out the loan so you get a private loan after you've already maxed out your subsidized and unsubsidized from the government now that's what they tell you to do mm -hmm. but again with a little research what you can find is that there are private loans and again this is a financial choice you need to look into this but there are private loans that offer cheaper rates than what the federal government will give you with the subsidized and unsubsidized loans. So at the graduate level, that is usually the best deal. At the undergraduate level, it's usually the best deal for the plus loans for the parents. Um, students taking out their own loans usually can get the best deal from the federal government, but it's worth double checking because you know it can't hurt to double check, right? <laughs> right. But yeah, there's a company I work with called Juno, and what they do is they actually negotiate your loan in bulk. So they take your situation, they ask you a handful of questions like, you know, are you an undergraduate? Are you in graduate school? What part of the country are you in? What type of program are you in? All that kind of stuff. And they put you in a little bucket with like people. And then they negotiate with the lenders and they get you a lower deal because it's been negotiated in bulk. Ah, smart idea. So, so it's like the Costco of loans. Exactly. So yes, we all save in bulk. So, you know, it, I think they're hard to be on rates, but there's no commitment. So you give them your info again, very basic info. It's not like your social security card, you know, anything like that. It's literally just, I'm from New York and I am an undergrad or whatever. And then they'll come back and they'll say, Hey, here's the deal we got. And you can say yes or no. And so there's no commitment, but their loans have no origination fees. Um, at the graduate level, they have usually 1% to 2% below what the government will offer you in interest rates, and then they usually can get you cash back as well. Oh, sweet, so, sweet deal. Yeah, I'll share that link with you, but yeah, yeah it's definitely, definitely. I'll um, put it in the description um, on the podcast too. So when if people yeah. want to get a hold of you, where can, they, where can they find you? So I am at LegalLearningCenter.com. I am all over the internet. So depending on your platform you prefer, whether it's LinkedIn or TikTok, anything in between, I'm all over the place. 
and um, mylegallearningcenter.com has links to all of those locations so that you can find whatever you like. Yeah, and I'll throw some of those links in the description as well. Yeah, cool. perfect. But yes, yeah, just avoid loans and find ways around scholarships. And then if you can't avoid loans, you know, use Juno because, uh, or at least compare with Juno. So yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Nice having you there, uh, Jolene. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Ah, oh, pleasure. It's a pleasure. We could talk probably for another hour, but uh, for sure. <laughs> we'll put everybody to sleep. They're like, oh, my God. Look at them. Yep. It's all good. Have, have a good it's day, Jolene. Nice having you again. Thanks. You too. Bye. Definitely.